Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. Watch out. Yeah, talking about way out there. Bayheim! Is that silence in a little bit? Schrader takes. It's a two-man rush. Schrader steps Don't up. Fit. Pop pass in the middle. Tucker's got it. Room to run. 15, 10. Hit, oh. hit in. Gregory touchdown. The Bills make me want to Allen looks to his left. Fires left side. It goes to the end zone. Stephon Diggs makes the catch. Touchdown, Buffalo. Swing into this. It is over. The Boston Red Sox. Baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. This is On the Block. Yeah, I was driving home yesterday, so I heard some of your show. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Brent. Thank you. Thanks, Brent. Two, one. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio 97.7, ESPN Radio, you the Carome, heard on 96.5 FM, heard wherever you are and whatever you are doing. Via the ESPN app, another gorgeous day to be outside listening to this program, however you're doing it, uh, 79 degrees, sunshine in the queues, just like yesterday, I mean, come on. That's hot. Oh, hello, spring. feel like we don't get spring around here anymore. It's either 40 or 80 or everything in between. It's nice, like, 65-degree cool days. What was the movie where they said, you know, April 25th is the perfect day for a date, right? Because it's not too hot. It's not too cold. You just need a light jacket. I don't even know what movie that's from. I've just seen the meme. That's today. So get outside, darn it, and enjoy this show while you do it, while you're walking the dog, doing the thing, wherever you are. And those are two great ways to do it. But there is another way, friends, and that is at QSportsTalk.com, where you can see the show, you can participate in the live chat throughout the show, and you get the show within the show. The show within the show within the show, where you, in the live chat, can chat along, give us your own topics, your own discussions, and when the radio audience is at commercial break, you are not at QSportsTalk.com. Just keep the, uh, keep the mics on. We keep talking to you. And if you're watching on QSportsTalk.com, ladies and gentlemen, maybe you've seen the pictures on the social media. But for those of you that have not, on QSportsTalk.com, a little drum roll. As you know, Uncle Brent this weekend got his head shaved. For the great people wearing the shirt, if you're watching on QSportsTalk.com, St. Baldrick's, where uh, proud to say our group raised over $23,000 to help grant research for pediatric cancer. Um, shout out and big thanks to our friends at 26 Shirts, and thanks to everybody that not only donated to our cause, but bought a Dome is Home t-shirt, which, by the way, that's over. I had a few people ask today, oh, where, where can I buy one of those shirts? I'm like, that's what I've been telling you people. Limited time. Had to jump on it. So uh, thanks to Del Reed and the great people at 26 Shirts assisting us there. We're $8 from the sale of every shirt. Went to St. Baldrick's. But that's not all, friends. We raised the money. We did the thing. We raised awareness, which is great. But 
Uncle Brent was all in this year. So there it is. There it is. Take a picture. It'll last longer. It's time for the bald Uncle Brent show. Ooh, I got I to gotta adjust the headphones. They don't fit me because there used to be hair there. So Uncle Bald Brent during the show today. What a great event. Thanks to everybody at Casanova that was there and everybody that participated and was a part of I'm going to leave some people out if I start thanking people. But uh, an amazing event, and, uh, man, it was it was great to be a part of and, and great to be a part of going forward. You can still donate, by the way. The, the T-shirts are no longer for sale, but the link that is pinned on my Twitter feed at Brent X Media, that's still active. You can still donate to St. Baldrick's and help our group uh, raise money for pediatric cancer research. Uh, I, a gentleman got in touch with me Sunday morning on Twitter and said, you know, my daughter passed away from cancer and other people reached out to me that had similar experiences. And that hit home. That made you really think about what you're doing and who you're doing it for. And so many people there yesterday had similar stories, new people that had unfortunately lost children due to cancer. And, and that's why we do what we do at St. Baldrick's and what the great people at St. Baldrick's do. There's going to be other local events um, coming up. This just happened to be ours that, that culminated yesterday. So you can help out an amazing cause in St. Baldrick's. You know we will appreciate it. And if you tune in on QSportsTalk.com, there it is. Uh, if you'd like to rub my head for luck, that's an extra $20. That goes to the cause. No one's taking me up on that, by the way. They're walking around my house. You want to rub my head for luck? No takers. I think the dog licked my head a couple of times. Other than that, you know. So we got a big show today. And again, thanks to everybody that helped uh, the great cause at St. Baldrick's. And uh, I'm now bald. There you go. Okay. What do we got lined up today? As you know, Yankee Stadium this weekend, there was some hijinks, some tomfoolery, some people throwing beer cans and debris on the field. I don't know if our guest today, who was witness to all this, took part in the chicanery. We will interrogate him to see, but one Tommy Hogan was at Yankee Stadium. I believe was in the outfield. If I'm not mistaken, I'm not sure about that. I got to check to see where he was sitting, but Tommy was there. So we're going to get Tommy's perspective and catch up a little bit, see how life's going for Tommy at the New York Post and a lot happening, of course, with the Brooklyn Nets and the Yankees and draft coming up this week with the Jets and Giants. So, hey, why not? JJ's our, our number one New York correspondent, but uh, Tommy Hogan's going to make a run at him. So we'll talk to Tommy, have some fun, catch up right here this hour of the program. At 5.05, we are going to talk to Gabriel Dumont, the captain of your Syracuse Crunch. They are playoff bound. We don't know what seed yet. they got to play that out as this is the last week of the regular season in the American Hockey League, but there is arguably no hotter team in the American Hockey League than the Syracuse Crunch. They have won 10 straight games at home. They've had a remarkable turnaround. Mid-February, they're 17-18, 4-1. Not looking like a playoff year. Injuries, just how a hockey season can go. Just kind of fighting their way through. Since then, they got healthy, particularly Max Legacy, their goaltender. They've had a consistent roster, not a ton of call-ups to Tampa in the last month or so, and they have just ridden that to an all-time heater at home and just playing well generally. And we got to have us a Crunch Comets matchup in the postseason. It's inevitable. The Comets dominated the Crunch this year, but anything can happen in the postseason, friends. So we'll talk to Gabriel Dumont, Crunch captain, about 
how they've turned this whole thing around coming up at 5 o'clock. Some other things we'll get into. An interesting article in Sports Illustrated. Pat Forty talked to Jack Schwarbrick, who is the AD at Notre Dame. He had some thoughts on basically how the structure of Division One college sports is going to fall in on itself at some point. And inevitably, when these things come up, I'm always thinking about how that will affect Syracuse, how they got themselves into the ACC, and if that's good enough. And we're thinking way down the road here, kids, 10 years from now or so. But what is the hook for Syracuse? What will keep them in the Power 5 structure? Because what got them into it may not be good enough to keep them there. Intrigue. We will discuss 10-question blindside on the way because it is Monday and so much more as we go forward here. But I do want to start in the world of lacrosse. And I wasn't surprised by anything I saw this weekend. I went into this weekend, and it started right when we got off the air Friday with a big matchup between Syracuse and Boston College. On the women's side, and, you know, the storylines were just dripping off this thing. Kayla Trainer, of course, was an assistant coach on that BC staff that won a national championship last year, comes to Syracuse, has this thing humming. There are certain teams that you have to prove you can run with, and the, the list is short in the world of women's college lacrosse because Syracuse has made it a short list. The elite teams in women's college lacrosse are North Carolina, Boston College, Syracuse, Northwestern. A few other teams I think you can make an argument, can wedge their way in there, but it's going to be one of those four teams that win the national championship. Syracuse lost to Northwestern by one goal earlier this year, but they've proven they can beat them. They lost to BC again on Friday. We'll backtrack to that in a sec. Go back to the game at the Carrier Dome against North Carolina. They gave the Tar Heels all they could handle there. They haven't quite got over that hump and have consistently won these big games. They're right there on that threshold. So, in a way, you had to be careful because no one wants to go all in on that game because what is going to happen and the way that the ACC tournament bracket broke out is these two teams are going to see each other again. You just know it, possibly twice. But they wanted revenge. They wanted to get back at Boston College for what happened in the national championship game last year and prove that they could run with the best team in the country, arguably, of course, with North Carolina, who technically is the best team in the country right now. But, you know, BC's the defending national champion. They have the best player in the country. They're the measuring stick right now. Not to mention the, the juice and the revenge factor going in. It was a hell of a game. Syracuse down by five goals. They come back in the second half of that game. Rachel Hall, the BC goaltender who just had an all-time heater in the tournament last year, not so hot in that game, but made a key stop in the fourth quarter. Syracuse, a couple of turnovers, just the mistakes you can't make against an elite team like that that's going to cost you, and BC was able to put up a goal, an insurance goal, run the clock out. But Syracuse walked off that field probably more confident than they could beat BC without the feeling of victory, if that makes any sense. Here's Kayla Trainer, Syracuse head coach on how she didn't even feel Syracuse played their best. I just don't think we played our best lacrosse tonight. You know, I think we're a better team than we showed. Um, so hopefully we get another chance to play these guys in the postseason. That's a coach talking. I agree they can play better and they are getting better and they're kind of reaching a point where 
the regular season's coming to an end. It's over for them. They play in the ACC tournament. But college lacrosse, you look at schedules, there's one game left. There's conference tournaments left. Like, we're flipping that calendar to May in a few days, and, and it's postseason time in the college lacrosse world. So I think that's a coach talking, but they played really, really well in that game. But a couple other notes here, including this, and she was absolutely right about this, uh, draw controls. Syracuse made up for lost ground, but dug itself maybe too much of a hole. Yeah, we didn't have a great game, I think, overall. But on the draws in particular, you know, we really struggled. I think the ball was on the ground. The ball was going further out. And we just struggled, you know, to get ground balls really simply. And um, I, I, I don't know what the final stats are for draw controls, but it wasn't our best night. I know when we, we were able to win a couple draws in a row, that's where we went on a run and scored a bunch of goals back-to-back. I think we got it within two um, so, and that was a lot because of that little run with Jock Schultz, but we got to win more in the first half. I like the hunger. I like the desire. I like the, the coaching and we have to be better. You're playing one of the best players in the country. I mean, Charlotte North is tough to beat at that draw control circle. And I think Kate Mashevsky did a great job, but what Kayla brought up is what separates you in these games. You need to get those ground balls. You need to get the loose balls. You need to get those opportunities that if you don't cash them in, they're going to come back to bite you. As we said, a couple turnovers, big save. That was the difference in a close game for BC late. But if you came away from that game, I think you came away confident. You came away with they're going to play that team again, and that team is right in the thick of the conversation. But you just have to play flawless, which they are. No one's capable of a perfect game, but they're capable of a a, a game that is flawless enough. Let's put it that way: that they can not only beat BC, but I think can beat North Carolina for a national championship. On the other end, everything happened that what I thought would happen when Syracuse played Virginia this weekend. But there was a shining light here. Look, I'm not going to continue to beat a dead horse. We all know what the deal is with this men's lacrosse team. It's a rebuilding year. It's a gap year. It's a bridge year. It's all these things. People believe in the staff. Brighter days are ahead. We went over it Friday as the tournaments were happening with Joey Spolina and the recruits that are coming in and the approach that this team is going to have that I think will lead to a big turnaround next year. When you ask for change, you got to believe in that change and you got to let it manifest. But the facts are the facts. Syracuse is going to close this season unranked for the first time since 1975. As bad as last year was in a sense and how we sensed change, that team still made the tournament. They got their doors blown off by Georgetown, who happens to be a top three team now in the country, but they still made the tournament. It still were a lot of... Uh, boxes they checked and students that were met. This is a team that could finish with one of its worst records of all time and all those things. So change is painful, but you got to let change manifest itself. But I said, you know what, I'm going to just stop beating on the same things here. And were there things that frustrated me in that game? The defensive positioning of this team just bewilders me. They're making mistakes, and it's not for lack of teaching and effort for Dave Petromala. That man just must be exasperated how frequently they're out of position, how frequently they let opposing teams, good teams, good players, and Virginia's loaded with great players, some of the best in the country, take free shots, wind up two, three, four seconds with the ball before anybody's on them. You can't do that. You cannot let these players set, get comfortable, pick a spot, and wind up on no matter who's in goal. Harrison Thompson had to come in for Bobby Gavin. doesn't matter who's. You can have... Quint Kesnick in his prime in goal. He can't stop all those shots. I'm watching this game like, 
and I, I, I'm an attackman. I'm not even a, 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 somebody who played defense. I can obviously spot flaws in the defense because I was trained to beat it as an attackman. But I could see it, and I'm like, how is this happening in the second-to-last game of the year? So trust me, I have my frustrations, but I'm done with that. I'm turning the page. I'm looking forward. I'm, I'm looking for things that are encouraging. So at the very least, Jackson Burtwistle gave this team that. Who are the young players that are going to get opportunities to play in that game and the Notre Dame game coming up Saturday that are knocking on the door saying, I'm going to be in that rotation next year. I'm going to be a big part of this thing next year. That's what I'm looking for. This season's done. It's cooked. And I, this team gave a great effort, and there's a lot that I think they can be proud of, but there's going to be a legacy, too, that they're going to leave that now has to be cleaned up by those coming. And they went through a hell of a four years or three years, whatever the case may be, for those that move on and those that come back and try and be a part of this. But it's startling to me the, the difference between what the programs are going through. But that's where we're at. And there's some exciting things on that front. But it went pretty much the way I thought it would. I thought Syracuse on the women's side would be in the fourth quarter with a chance to win. Just can't make the mistakes that they did. And you heard Kayla Trainer say we didn't play our best game. But now they know exactly how to fix that and play their best game. And they're going to play BC this week. Syracuse will play Virginia Tech first on Friday night. And Boston College... I believe they have Pittsburgh, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but we know they're going to meet again. And then we'll see where the steps are made there, and we'll see if this team can pursue a national championship again, as I think they will, and and they certainly can. Uh, The men's team, they're going to play Notre Dame. Their season's going to be over, and we know that. There's there's no doubt left here. They know exactly what their fate is, just a matter of do you finish with a win or finish with a loss. And on that note, we will break. An eyewitness to the shenanigans at Yankee Stadium. The great Tommy Hogan. He was there. I don't know if he got hit with a beer can or not. We hope he's okay. If he got hit with a beer can, got a concussion, maybe knocked some sense into him. I don't know, but we shall see. We'll talk to Tommy about that. Some Yankees baseball, Brooklyn, the Nets, and it's uh, it's a lot happening on the New York sports scene this week with the draft coming up, both the Giants and Jets with multiple picks. Are they going to be moving and grooving? Who are they targeting here? Mr. New York Post. Tommy Hogan will join us next. We'll talk to Gabriel Dumont later in the show, the captain of your Syracuse Crunch. Your thoughts uh, through the day at 437-7644 in the chat at QSportsTalk.com. If anything, you can tell me, what's what's Brent's bald doppelganger? You know what I was thinking, by the way? I should take off the headphones if you're watching just to give people a sense of it. King Kong Bundy. I'm going with King Kong Bundy. But you guys can tell me what my bald doppelganger is. We did the bald draft on Friday. We missed a couple. I mean, there's only 12 picks in the thing. We were going to miss some, but probably should have had Sinead O'Connor in there. Shout out to engineer Tim Backer for that reference when I walked in. Did I really enjoy your hit song, Nothing Compares to You? Hey, waka waka. So what I'm going to get. I'm going to get the bald jokes for the next week or so. But it was all for a great cause. And certainly... Certainly uh, happy to accept any and all bald comparisons, bald jokes, and everything in between. And our friends at QSportsTalk.com, I'm sure already uh, into that. Haven't checked the chat yet, but we'll do that shortly. Uh, We will do all that after we find out what happened on the market today. That's where our guy Bill is from Lee Baldwin and Company on this Monday. How you doing, Bill? 
Good. We had a uh, nice reversal today, uh, fouling uh, weakness last week. Uh, we opened lower today, fell nearly 500 points, but rallied to close up 238 points in the Dow. So a, a good ending to the day. Uh, so a lot of dogs turned to diamonds today. Uh, one diamond was uh, um, Vale Resorts, uh, symbol MTN. It was up 5%, so they had a good uh, ski season today. And ticket sales for next year are off to a good start. So at least Colorado had a good ski season. And then to the downside, we had uh, commodities in general. Energy was down 4%. Chevron and Exxon led the way. Um, pretty bad lockdowns going in China. They're comparing it to April of 2020. So they have not made any progress over there in the last two years. A little odd. And uh, that's it today. Did Elon Musk shake some things up today? Is my Twitter stock going to get a little bump, Bill? What are we thinking, huh? It, it went halted in the last hour. They confirmed he is going to buy them, so uh, about $54 a share. So uh, uh, he's in. He's, uh, yeah. Let's go. My three, Pretty amazing. My three shares of, of Twitter stock. I'm going to, can I cash, can I cash in and retire on that? Or, or we, you I, can, it's going to go private, so you probably, they probably will cash woo! you in. Let's go, baby. I'm ready. I've been waiting. Thank you, Bill. Appreciate it, sir. Thank you. There you go. The one and only Bill from Lee Baldwin and Company. Find him at LeeBaldwin.com. Find them in Kaz and Utica. Have a cup of coffee. Have a conversation. Have all the diamonds and none of the dogs on your portfolio. That's right. My three shares of Twitter. It's been nice knowing everybody. You can finally buy that private island in the Bahamas. Looking forward to it. We'll come back. Stay right there. ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Hey, see what you do to me? This MTV is not for free. It's so PC, it's killing me. Welcome back. There's a point in time I could do that whole riff from memory. Uh, this is not one of those times. Memory's a little shot. I would, uh, I would put this though. I don't think we've ever done this. We'll have to do it as a draft one time. We did our favorite songs draft, but I only had four picks for that. This I would absolutely make my top ten, though. top ten favorite songs ever, no doubt. Maybe even top five. We didn't even get to five. This would have been number five, probably. We're welcome to be back here on the block, ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. Um, shout out to a number of people out in the world there. We're going to get to that Syracuse topic we discussed here in a moment. But, again, thank you to everybody that donated to our St. Baldrick's fundraiser who bought T-shirts. Uh, the Domus home shirt is no longer for sale. Remember, it was a limited time, so if you didn't get in, way to go, slacker. You missed out and missed out on giving a great donation to St. Baldrick's. But for those of you that did get in, thank you. You still can donate to St. Baldrick's. The amount of your choice, it all helps. Uh, the link is up on my Twitter feed, Brent Dax Media. We just posted the link along with uh, video evidence of the head shaving, unveiling it today on the show for the first time on Q Sports Talk. Um, so thank you for those that have donated. You still can donate if you'd like to. Uh, special shout-out to our guy, Scooter. Scooter not only made his own donation, he, now originally on Friday we were thinking, playing the odds of hot baseball players, that Vlad Guerrero would be a good bet, cash in that bet, donate the money to St. Baldrick's. 
as it turns out, a New York Yankee helps the cause. An Aaron Judge home run, based on a wager placed by uh, the great Scooter, comes through. And big shout-out to Jordan, who uh, met Scooter at the brick to collect the donation as a, a Scooter who still has a flip phone, probably still has a rotary phone at home, and uh, admittedly uh, not, you know, he talks about the mobile app, right? Like maybe he's uh, avoiding people on the Internet, doesn't want to be on the Internet, which is a smart move, Scooter. You know, stay off. If you haven't got on, just stay off. So one uh, one long story short, Jordan met uh, the, the guy at the brick to collect the donation so he could put it in the kitty. St. Baldrick. So thanks to everybody involved in that operation, and thanks to you for your donation and for buying T-shirts and everything. Uh, we raised over $23,000, our group, for St. Baldrick's. Just amazing. And uh, you know how much that's going to help? $500. $500 can start a research grant for pediatric cancer. $1,000 can put a child on a trial drug. Think what twenty three thousand dollars can do. So we're we're very proud of that, and uh, the efforts are ongoing. And other uh, great groups, the great uh, St. Baldrick's event at Kitty Hoynes is coming up soon, and it will continue. And uh, thank you, thank you, thank you for your great donations, everybody, and for buying T-shirts. We greatly appreciate it. Switching gears here, there's a fascinating article uh, that was going around this week, and you can still read it at Sports Illustrated. Shout out to our guy Madden Cuse for uh, putting this in front of me. So I don't want to read the whole thing to you. I just want to read you a part of it. Great lead in this column from uh, Pat Forty of Sports Illustrated. And I'm just going to read you a portion of it here. Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Schwarbrook told Sports Illustrated that he believes the breakup of college sports at the NCAA Division I level is, quote, inevitable and puts a potential target date on that seismic change as the mid-2030s. Schwarbrook also said there are, quote, so many schools trying to leave their current conferences, but they're handcuffed by existing contracts. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. The breakup of major Division I college sports, essentially the Power Fives shifting away from the NCAA, is not a surprise. If anything, it's inevitable to use the term that Schwarbrook used. But for Jack to be like, this is when it's going to happen, this is when it's targeting and talking about it as if it's inevitable, as opposed to, yeah, this could happen kind of shows you where the mind is at for the major players in college sports. And Jack Schwarbrook's an interesting dude to talk to because Notre Dame is its own entity. They're in the ACC except for everything but football. They're still a major power player in college sports, much to the chagrin of some people that feel they shouldn't be. And say all you want. The guy's got a lot of power and a lot of sway and a lot of know-how in terms of how this process goes. So let me read you a little bit more from this column. Schwarbrook said the fracture lines within the 130-member FBS could leave two disparate approaches. Schools that still operate athletics within a traditional educational structure and those who tie sports to the university in name only. So essentially, like, you're leasing out the brand of, just as an example, Syracuse University, but don't quite have the educational mission in that, which we've seen, you know, a, a move away from that from years anyway, and name, image, and likeness is only uh, certainly going to add to that as much as those athletes deserve that. It's like the lines are blurred between professional and collegiate athletics. That is 
one of the sacrifices you make by giving these student-athletes the money they deserve to pursue their name, image, and likeness rights because that's what the schools have been doing and the money that the schools have been making and the television deals that they have been making. And that's why, by the way, Schwarbrook points to the mid-2030s, right? This is an aircraft carrier. And turning an aircraft carrier is a slow process, but eventually it gets done. The television deals are what's going to break this apart because let's go back to why Syracuse got in the ACC. At the heart of it, Syracuse gave the ACC an in to the New York market. Sold as an in to not only New York and, you know, kind of the whole thing as a brand, but at the time, love it or hate it, Daryl Gross's mission to make Syracuse New York's college team and that branding, it worked. That was a big reason, not the only reason, certainly, but a, a, you know, that was the sell. That was the hook to get Syracuse in. Pittsburgh, same thing, the market that it would attain, the growth of the ACC. A lot of this was, remember, framed to build television networks. Every you know conference had to have their own television network, some more successful than others. They all have them. Well, those contracts are up some in 10 years, some in 13 years, but that's why I said the mid-2030s. But what is the media structure going to look like by then? So we're thinking a long time out, and God knows so much can happen between here and there, but what is the value? What John Wildhack has to consistently think about, and this only kind of shines a light on it, what is your value as Syracuse University to be in this Power 5 structure? as it stands now, and when that eventually breaks away from the NCAA. Because television market and some of the things that got Syracuse in to the ACC are going to be obsolete in 10 years. So it's just your brand as a school. What is the value of your football program? Obviously your basketball program, and really that's it. Some of the other sports added up certainly help, but you know, Syracuse had a lot of value when they went into the ACC as a hot basketball product, obviously Jim Beheim and the presence of the basketball program at that time. Remember going into the ACC, what was that? 2013, their first official year, but that deal was announced in 2011. I mean, they just come off some great runs, you know, a team that should have went to the final four. Uh, uh, if AO didn't get hurt, they would be there. I mean, that was Syracuse was really peaking at that time in kind of the modern run they went on as much as they've gone on, three Final Four runs and Sweet 16 runs and what they've done in recent years, they've done it you know, by the hair on their chinny-chin-chin, getting in as a double-digit seed and making a run in the tournament. So, look, there's still value there, but that value has to keep building, and you have to, you have to refresh it. I don't doubt that Jim Beheim will be coaching this team in the mid-2030s, in his 90s. Oh, I, I would not doubt that, but let's be honest, at some point you're going to have to refresh the image of Syracuse. Can the football program be competitive is always that big question, right? Because this goes hand-in-hand hand with discussions of expanding the college football playoff, which I am in favor of, and should be the case. It's just settling the details of should it be 8, should it be 12. We're going there. They tried to get that done this offseason, couldn't get it done. I believe the college football playoff structure, the committee, meets this week. They're not going to expand it anytime soon. They've got to wait for, which, by the way, is a smart move in the sense that what they want to do in college football is what the NFL does. 
See, in college football, ESPN has everything. They have all the major, you know, championship playoff games at this point. What college football wants is, well, why are we doing that? Look at the NFL, NBC, CBS, Fox, and ABC slash ESPN. That's what we want. And they're smart to want that, and that's really what held up the deal. But we're going to have an expanded playoff coming up. That doesn't mean, now by virtue of literal math, that gives eight teams a chance. But we all know the three or four that win this thing every year. And that's not changing anytime soon. But at least you give those teams an opportunity to say, we were in the playoff. We did literally have a shot as opposed to, you know, talking our way into them having a shot. Central Florida a couple of years ago undefeated having a shot against a one-seed Bama. We all know what would happen in that game, but I, I at the very least, I want to see it. So, point being through all this, really fascinating, honest comments from Jack Schwarbrick. I think you're going to see more administrators doing these type of interviews to start the fracture because this doesn't fracture until this stuff, behind the scenes, it's the old iceberg analogy, like it's only the tip of the iceberg, but below the surface, there's so much more. Behind the scenes, like this is happening. They are structuring this. They are trying to make it happen. The comment from Schwarbrook about other schools that want to go to other conferences, but they've been held up for one reason or the other. Of course, the Texas-Oklahoma thing takes place in a couple of years. Like this isn't a possibility. This is happening. It's just a matter of when we reach another crisis point is a strong way to put it. But remember when Syracuse went to the ACC, realignment was bananas. There were schools going all over the place. And that was the second time that Syracuse was involved in that. Remember, they were supposed to go to the ACC in 2003. And then some good old Southern boy politics got involved there. Mark Warner, then the governor of Virginia, steps in in for Virginia Tech, out for Syracuse. It was supposed to be Syracuse, Miami, B.C. Until it wasn't. That's ancient history at this point. So what you're constantly thinking about anyway, and Chris Carlson did a really good job in highlighting this in the arms race that Syracuse is in, in name, image, and likeness. Facilities. Success on the field, you know, speaks for itself and where you, where you compete there, but they're always fighting a losing battle and an uphill battle in that, in that sense. They're in the club now. They're a part of it, and that's important because once you're in, it's hard to kick somebody out. And I think when the smoke clears, whenever that is, and again, we could be talking about a decade from now, they'll be, they will be a part of it. But, man, I asked John Wildhack this last week when we had him on the show. What, he said, well, I said, what is the biggest lesson that you take away from name, image, and likeness and I'm paraphrasing here, but John's answer was flexibility, change. Change happens all the time. You've got to change with it. and You've, in some ways, got to be ahead of the change. Schwarbrook uh, shined a light on the biggest change of all to come. And the way they talk about this now, it's not a possibility. It's inevitable. So stay tuned on that. Great stuff. Great column. I know I say Pat Forty around here. Some people aren't a big fan of Pat based on some prior Comments about Syracuse and Jim Beheim, but you know credit where credit's due. He did a really good job with this, so check that out and uh, really get your brain going about college sports and Syracuse's place in it. We'll get our brains going next with a little blindside, see what Josh has lined up for us with 10 questions today. Stay right there.